Welcome to the Bill Barnwell Show. I am Bill Barnwell. We have a topic that has been burning on the various platforms over about 24 hours now as we record this. A very interesting set of conference championship games on Sunday. And very foolishly, I saw the Chiefs. And I saw the Ravens go for it on fourth and short and convert the Ravens on fourth and short in their own territory early in the games. And I said, I think I even tweeted something like, thank God the Ravens got that fourth and ones. We don't have to have the discourse tomorrow. Oops, my bad. That's on me because Dan Campbell decided to be Dan Campbell made two very aggressive decisions. We'll talk about it, aggressive decisions on fourth down. Uncommon, maybe, might be the best way to put it. Decisions on fourth down with a big lead at first and then a with no lead, trailing by three points after the game fell apart. And Lions failed on them both. The internet did not take kindly to Dan Campbell's decisions. This is analytics fault. The nerds apparently made this decision, not Dan Campbell. But I want to have a good faith conversation about Dan Campbell's decisions, because I think even as there's been plenty of criticism, perhaps warranted, perhaps some cases warranted, perhaps not, I I think there are real questions about um, wind probability models, about decision making, about how you adapt things for each individual decision you have to make versus the broader, you know, win probability model framework and structure. And I'm not qualified to have that conversation. That is far beyond my pay grade, but someone who is qualified to have that discussion is someone I'm bringing back to the show today to talk about this topic. I think one of the smartest people out there breaking down fourth down decision-making and analysis and coach thinking, joining me to talk about all that is my colleague and friend, Seth Walder. Seth, how are you recovering after 24 hours of Campbellgate and the aggressiveness that was this uh, fourth down fiasco for the Lions? It's been uh, eventful, and you know, <laughs> I you know what I I like it. You know, I mean, it, not every week. You know, you can't take can't take That's... the fourth down discourse every week. But you know what? We're about to have a whole off season. There's going to be no fourth downs. For months, like let's soak it in. Wow, right? yes. wow, that's such a good point. the The off season is the ultimate fourth down failure. <laughs> Never even occurred to me, but that is totally true. Um, you're absolutely correct, and this will fade. And you know, we will have fourth downs that teams convert, and nobody will talk about them again. Nobody, to my to to my knowledge, has brought up the Ravens converting on fourth and one early in that game. Uh, as proof that they were giving the Chiefs motivation and momentum. What about their fourth and three at their own 18, Bill? Yes, that they converted and never came up again the rest of the way. And, like, I understand this is not exactly, you know, uh, first take when it comes to podcasts. Maybe preaching to the choir here. I don't want to have a beat-up straw men conversation here. But I do want to have, like I said, I want to talk about some of the factors that go into decision-making that go into win probability models that go into, um, you know, some of the criticism of Campbell and Seth, get your perspective on why that those, those criticisms may be valid, why they may not be valid. Um, and, and I think I want to, you know, have that in a space where someone is not trying 
perhaps failing to dunk on you as part of the process. Um, I, I, I do. Hmm, okay. I, I went through a lot of the comments on my Twitter, not the ones where I was being cursed at or being told what's wrong with how I look or, or all that stuff. We're not going to ask you those questions, but I am going to ask you some of the questions that people put out there because, or some of the comments people put out there. And I want to get your thoughts on, you know, how relevant those criticisms are. And, and I'll start with the one that's come up most often. There's a few that have come up more often than others, but this is the most common one, Seth. Do the models, do the win probability models, and I'm, I'm, I guess I'm sterilizing this question or um, I'm making it a little more friendly for consumption. A lot of people say, okay, you are up 14. You could have made this a three possession game again in the third quarter. There's not as much time left as there would be if you go up three, three possessions in the first quarter or the second quarter. You're, you're really squeezing the Niners by going up three scores and, and taking it from a two-score game to a three-score game by kicking the field goal in the third quarter. So from your perspective, uh, in terms of what the models typically tell you, in terms of what you see in terms of possessions left in games from that point forward, do you think the various models have talked about this these decisions, including ESPN's model, do you think they underestimate the impact or the the value of making that game a three possession game with you know uh, about 22 23 minutes left in the contest yeah i think i i totally understand that question this one i think i can say with some of the most confidence that yes the models do fully recognize the value of potentially going up 17 points potentially being partially a keyword uh, going up 17 points and making it three possessions because that's exactly what the models are really good at doing, which is determining your, cha your chance of winning the game given various score, time, ball states. So in this case, it's saying the value of the potential going up 17 was roughly equivalent. Well, no, let me back up here because I think I think sometimes this is somewhat confused. What the model is basically doing is saying, okay, it's fourth and two, you're at the 28. If you go for it, what's the win probability given success of going for it? The, prob the win probability given a failure? And then what's the likelihood that you convert? And then it's going to do the same thing on the other side. Win probability if you kick and make it, kick and miss, and the probability that you convert the kick. And then it's comparing those two things. So it is very, it's hyper aware that you're going to go up three possessions if you <laughs> and score. Uh, it's also hyper aware that if you uh, convert the, the fourth down, that you have a, a, a decent chance to go up 21 points mm -hmm. and, uh, or potentially have an easier shot at a, at a field goal if you, if mm -hmm. your drive stalls out. So it's very aware of, of the circumstances uh, in that spot. And I do think that the, the possibility of a field goal miss cannot be underrated in this circumstance. It was not mm -hmm. a guarantee. Um, and also, you know, 17 points uh, sounds nice. I think we have, I'm not, I don't want to be results oriented, but like it is not necessarily going to be enough. And in this case, mm -hmm. it probably wouldn't have been enough. Yeah. Um, I, I think we can have that conversation about did the kick or did the lack of a kick spur the Niners to score more than they would have otherwise? You know, I, it's impossible to say. Certainly, I think people are going to say that that was the case, and maybe it was. We we can never say for sure. Um, but 
you know, I, I really do think the, the element of taking the points, like, I think that, that device of, okay, the sure thing is the field goal. It, it would drastically change the numbers if it was a sure thing. Mm-hmm. And there are times where a kick is on a short thing. I've seen Blair Walsh miss a, you know, a, a short field goal to win a game against the Seahawks. I've seen plenty of times where kickers, we just saw Tyler Bass miss a 44-yard field goal to, uh, you know, to tie that, that, that would have tied up the game against the Chiefs. Um, I, I don't need to go through a history of every missed kick in key situations, <laughs> but but kicks are not as easy as we maybe make them out to be and certainly if you're within five yards of the goal line okay yeah it's probably pretty close to a gimme but this the first one was going to be a 46 yarder the second one i believe is a 48 yarder Mm -hmm. with michael badgley a guy who was on the lions practice squad for most of the year was six for six on field goals during the season but has not historically been very good in this range i think you know it depends on which, which which split you use like i've seen a lot of you know, uh, arbitrary cutoffs from Michael Badgley field goal success rate. They're all pretty bad once you get past 40 yards. Um, You know, I've seen some saying, oh, he's about a 50% chance to make the kick. I think it's probably a little higher than that. But even if you want to say 75% to make the kick, I mean, this is not a a guarantee. And then you're thinking, well, let's say 50. uh, What what, what was actually, do you know what the the success rate? Um, We had it at 76 to convert. To con- oh no! To convert the first first down of the field goal, yeah. convert the first down, sixty four percent. Okay, so you know that's the thing. It's not like you're you're comparing a a conversion that happens thirty percent of the time to a kick that's going to succeed one hundred percent of the time. You're you're almost you have two two possibilities here, where one is almost as significant as the other, and the upside for getting that one going up twenty one is so much higher than the possibility of going up 17. That's right. And, you know, I do, I because you brought up Badgley, I do want to mention, people ask like, okay, where's the uncertainty in, in the models, right? And, and then one of the reasons why, when sometimes we call things a toss up, like we do in these cases, even though we're narrowly, in both cases, for, for those that didn't see, in both the fourth downs that are controversial for Campbell, we narrowly recommended go, but I would consider those to be toss-ups. One of the reasons that they're toss-ups is that the uncertainty stems from the conversion probabilities, both for the first down or the field goal. There are some factors that a coach might, information a coach might have that could swing that by a couple percentage points here or there. And one thing with the kicker, which is potentially the biggest area of uncertainty, we use league average kicker information, but um, Brian Burke, who runs created our fourth down, our win probability model, mm-hmm. does all of our decision analysis. He has been working on um, adding in kicker information into fourth downs mm-hmm. for next year. So this is not finalized, but he did want, he was curious and he did look and given Badgley and, and the venue, uh, he said that would have knocked down the field goal chance by a couple of percentage points, mm-hmm. like multiple percentage points. And so if anything, I think those external, the, these sort of external factors should push the lines more toward going for it. And it's very reasonable to think that that was in Campbell's mind, right? Like he's mm-hmm. hyper aware of what of the fact that they're playing outdoors and he's got this, uh, you know, at Levi Stadium and they got and he's got this kicker that 
maybe is you know probably below average is it's probably pretty safe to say yes and we just saw jake moody a rookie kicker who is relatively obviously inexperienced but also has not had a great season and certainly had a great recent season uh miss a 48 yarder earlier in this game before there was uh more rain on the field so it's not like this was a a giving up a kick as i i sort of keep coming back to um how much do you think the model and how much do you think you weigh what a team has done throughout the game? Because with decisions where I see people, especially coaches, justifying being more conservative than the numbers suggest, it's almost always, well, you know, it was a close game and our offense wasn't playing, you know, our, our defense was really playing well. I wanted to you know, trust them and put the game in their hands. Like, like teams will contort themselves to try and find justifications to be more conservative than what the numbers suggest. But, and I want to get your perspective on this. If you're going to weigh that stuff heavily, and maybe you shouldn't, but if you are going to weigh that stuff heavily as a coach, it felt like this was a scenario, or at least the first kick for sure was a scenario where you should be more aggressive than the numbers because of how you've played so far in this game. The Lions offense up to that point had been virtually unstoppable, including in short yardage where they were two of two, including on third and long where they'd run the ball effectively. They had pretty much everything working on offense for the entire game up to this point. So even though we know the Niners have a good defense and even though we know the Lions now, I guess no, the Lions' strength is their offense. So it, it felt like that, that sort of soft factor of the flow of the game, as Sean McVay puts it, or you know, these the how things had been going up to that point. It felt like that should have pushed the Lions to be more aggressive, not less aggressive, no? Yes, I think that's right. I think well, let me answer the first part, which is Okay, please. We don't incorporate. So we, our perspective is we don't incorporate anything from the current game into into the conversion probabilities, right? And so, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily a hundred percent the best way. Our perspective is that a season's worth of information is a lot more useful than a handful of plays um, mm-hmm. in in this current game. Now, I will say, it's not. I don't think it's necessarily unreasonable to. to draw information from the current game based on, yeah, okay, maybe we're running all over them or maybe you have an injury factor, right? Uh, okay, our guard is out or their corner is out. And those that's what I would consider to be those, like you called them soft factors. I like that. That I think is reasonable to incorporate into, you know, nudging the conversion probability mm-hmm. a little bit up or down but you made the key point, which is if you are going to do that, you have to do it in both directions. And we almost never hear coaches use that to be more aggressive. So like when, like you said, we hear all the time, okay, reasons, flow of the game or whatever. Uh, we, weren't, we weren't able to get them in short yardage in order to justify a punt. What we never quite hear would be like, well, the numbers said we should punt actually i just felt like our run game was too strong <laughs> had to go for it which is what you need to that need if you that needs to occur if you're truly you're truly balancing it out but i agree with you that um if you're factoring those 
those things in them that that this would be this would be the situation where it's fourth and two. You're saying uh, we're having so much success. Why would why would we not go for it in a in a toss up scenario? Right. And and the numbers from ESPN's perspective were a toss up here. They were both slight lean towards going for it, but but sub one percent difference. Uh, I believe, for these various uh, different fourth down opportunities. A a question people had, and this is a fair question. I I think I know what Dan Campbell thought, but I do want to know what you think. In terms of the, there were actually three fourth down decisions Dan Campbell made in this game. Unsurprisingly, we focused on the two that, that went wrong in the second half or where he was more aggressive than what people expected. But at the end of the first half, Dan Campbell has a fourth and goal, I believe 12 seconds left in the first half. So this is going to be the final play of the half, essentially. Um, the Lions, he, he looks at the spot after the third down play. He thinks about going for it and then decides to kick a field goal, which seems at odds with what we're saying about Dan Campbell being hyper aggressive and being uh, someone who is going to just damn the torpedoes and screw it. I'm going for it every single time. I don't want to have the conversation about, well, did that give the Niners momentum? Because we will talk about momentum, I guess. But in terms of Dan Campbell's perspective, why do you think, and and do you think it was right for him to kick a field goal on fourth and short at the end of the first half, but then go for it, and, and, and to go up 17 in the process, by the way, or to then go for it, on those two fourth downs in the second half. What changed? And do you think that was a logical decision to act differently uh, at the end of the first half than it was in the second half? So one big factor that changes is that because it's the end of the half, if you if it's a normal situation and you're on the three-yard line, you go for it on fourth down, you fail, the upside is the opponent is starting their next drive at the three they're starting in a negative EPA zone. So like you, mm-hmm. they're still in a bad spot. And that's actually one of the reasons to go for it. You don't have that advantage at the end of the second quarter. That, and so that's what made it close. This we had as a toss up as well, closer than even the other two. We had this one as narrowly favor, favor and go by point, 0.1% percentage point. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I, I think that is probably why he didn't. Um, but it's super close. I don't know. I mean, uh, like it's, it's hard to know. What an unsatisfying. I don't know. Come on. We need to have authority here, Seth. What do you, wait, what right. do you think Campbell thought? Like what, like to me, that's I asked you, I, okay, that's, okay, that's okay. why this okay. is the Bill okay. Barnwell show, right, the Seth right, Walder right. show. That's all why right, I asked because I don't know the answer and I'm afraid okay. to say how I feel. All right. Here's how I, here's what I think. I, that is why I honestly think he is what I think he is thinking because in that spot, because I think Campbell is smart and I don't think that he's thinking about momentum going into the half. Mm-hmm. Does momentum carry through the entire halftime? Like, you know, depends you, on who you ask. Depends on how uh, fun the halftime show is. I think. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. What about a Super Bowl? Um, so I, <laughs> but that is the big difference. So that's what I think right there. I think he probably thought that I will say this. I thought he made one mistake right at that spot. Um, really? They had called a timeout. Um, and then they, they looked at it, right. He was sort of looking at the the play and I, he yeah. should have, if, even if he wanted to kick, I would, I would, I would try to draw off sides right there. Yeah. It's a real, it's going to be a hyper good offside draw situation. Like a lot of these, mm-hmm. like try to draw them off sides. You are, 
no one's buying it, but everybody, <laughs> everybody would buy that. Cause you just call a timeout. You can't call another one. And then you can take the delay game or whatever. You kick the field goal from the eight. If you really, if you really needed to, but I thought that was, yeah, that was good. I think that was from the, it was from the three, but if I recall, it was kind of like two and a half ish. Right. Yeah. Um, now we have it from the three and that would make a, you know, that would certainly make a difference. Every half yard makes a difference at that, at that spot. And certainly wow. run and pass are both very much in play for the lines there. I mean, so, but I think sure. the answer to your question is literally that it's the end of the half. Yeah. 2.4 yards for for that fourth and two for dan fourth and goal from the two yard line for dan campbell so it would have been 1.2 yards would have been fourth and a little over a yard if they had gotten a gotten the niners to jump off sides um the other ones it was three and a half for the the fourth and three where they were down three points um, and they decided to go for it the Fourth and goal was three point one yards, actually. Okay, so I take and that. the the play where they failed on the third Josh Reynolds, the first failed fourth down was two point four yards. I I agree with you. I I thought it was two and a half as well. I I believe I want to say that that I think the broadcast said it was two and a half yards. Maybe I think there's some anchoring there because I think that's where it comes from. But it was actually three point one yards officially per next gen stats. Okay, so I take I take that back, and I think it's it's perfectly fine to kick there. I no, you know what? And I feel confident. The more I think about this, that is why he, he it's the end of the half. Any other situation, Dan Campbell is going for it on that in that spot. I think I feel safe saying that based on his behavior. So if mm-hmm. there were if there were seven minutes left in the second quarter, they're up fourteen. It's fourth and three from fourth and goal yep. at the three. He's going for that. Yeah, I think so. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there is no competition. And right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number 8, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a Jets Pizza location near you. Again, try Jets Signature 8 Corner Pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number 8, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza, better because it has to be. Do you think he should have been more conservative because these situations were 4th and 2.5, 4th and 3 yards, as opposed to 4th and one? where the conversion rates are so high like do you think there is a significant drop off in terms of the likelihood of success in terms of your comfort level and going for it if it's fourth and two or fourth and three versus fourth and inches or fourth and one no i mean it or yes and no yes it matters absolutely do i think that should have changed his opinion i don't think it's enough particularly given what we talked about with the kicker um so i think you have sort of forces moving us in both directions there. Um, and then that's not even taking into account like the Lions specifically, like you said, running in short yardage in this game. So no, I think he I think he did the right things on those two on those two uh fourth down calls. Yeah, I think three's tough. You know, I think with three, nothing they they ran third and twelve for a first down. So obviously if if you get the right look, you can run into it. Fourth and goal from the three. Fair. It's not that you can't get it, but it's it's tough. Like I think, 
you know, I think at fourth and one, you have a true, at the end of the first half, you have a real, like, I, I, you can threaten them with a legit run look. Like you can check into a run and not feel stressed about it. Fourth and goal from the three is a little tougher. Not again, you can do it, but I think if you ask coaches their expected pass rate for fourth and goal from the one at the end of the half versus fourth and goal from the three, I have to imagine that the pass rate is higher. Um, but still not out of the realm of possibility. I think if anybody would say, screw it, I trust my offensive line and my running game, Stan Campbell. And you know, again, like I, I don't want to. I, I, I'm not second guessing his decision in terms. I'm not second guessing any decisions. I think they're all close enough that I don't have a strong decision about it. I just don't think that right. one of that the decisions to go for it were obviously inexplicably incorrect. I think it's important to make that distinction because I do want to be clear that like if he had kicked in any of these uh, spots, if he made the opposite mm-hmm. decision in any of these spots. I would not criticize and that it seems like you have to be fair about that in both directions. Yes. I, I, I agree. And I think that's the, you know, you hear all oh, people say, you know, every time you see the analytics thing pop up on, on Monday night football or see it pop up on, on different other networks, it, the analytics people always want to go for it. Well, number one, you're only seeing it when, uh, you know, decisions are, are when the situation calls for it to be a go for a situation. You're never seeing a punt number on fourth and 13. But also, I think there's a really wide swath of, of plays where it might be a slight lean towards going forward. It might be 0.1%, like that, that play at the end of the first half, where that's such so obviously within the margin of error that you should be making the decision based on how you feel about your players, about what you're doing, about what the strengths of your team are, as opposed to what uh, a win probability chart says, because it's basically saying, you know, you decide. Here's one that came up a lot. And I I had not, I, I did not expect this to be a conversation I saw often. And it was from, I will be honest with you, the most insulting group of people. So maybe it's the dumbest criticism, but I do think it's a fair conversation for us to have. A lot of people were saying, well, you can't base your model on the regular season because this is the playoffs and the playoffs are different. And there's two things I think to unpack there. One is the risk, right? Like uh, some people are saying, hey, if you you know, lose a game because you went forward in week five, that's different than losing a game where if you lose, you are eliminated. But there's also a question of is the game that's played in the postseason different and so because you're playing a higher quality of competition typically than you are in a a average regular season game because maybe teams are more teams have a better ability to exploit a weakness or a better ability to exploit a a situation maybe the impact of failing on a fourth down is more significant. I guess I'm wondering, you know, do you think it's unrealistic or naive or short-sighted to base a model for post-season decisions on on a data set that I'm assuming, I haven't actually seen the data, but I feel pretty confident saying is mostly going to be regular regular season games? Yeah, no, I mean, certainly it is. I, I think, no, I don't think it's an issue. I think 
firstly, everybody's trying to win in all the, the football games, you know, <laughs> no, matter, no matter what. Uh, yes. And they're always, they're always trying to win. And so that, that's important. I think to, so there's like a few different arguments, like you're saying. So I think firstly, from that standpoint, they're all helpful because everybody's trying to win and they're all football games. Are there better teams in the postseason? There are, but we really kind of handle that. I mean, that's going to bake into the, the starting win probability, right? So you have the, where are you, where are you, what's the point you're starting from? Uh, obviously like the 49ers start more likely to win this game than the Lions. And then it also plays into account about the, we talk about the relative strengths of the different units. So, okay, the Lions, how good is their offense versus how good is the 49ers defense? But like, again, so, okay, if you have, they're both good, you know, that's, we know that that's going, that's going in there. Um, I think one element of that argument that I have seen that also doesn't work is like, well, it's just, you're playing like the law of large numbers or something people say. like, oh, you're playing it out many times, but this is just one time. And that, that argument doesn't make sense to me. I think um, like, it, I think, you know, I saw Brian Burke say this on Twitter and I thought well, this is a good analogy. It's like, okay, if you're sick and the doctor says to you, here are two treatment options they're exactly the same one has a 40 percent chance to work and one has a 50 percent chance to work which would you like to choose like you only get it's like you're going to choose the 50 percent. so um or you can you know make that same analogy with like blackjack right it's like you can do you can go off script in blackjack and you might win a hand but it doesn't mean but like in any given hand it's always best to just do the best thing and so i do think i don't think that it being playoffs Yes, are the stakes higher if you lose? Yeah, but that's why I'm just doing everything I can to win, just mm -hmm. like I do all the other times. Mm -hmm. I do love the idea of Dan Campbell just coming out and saying, like, listen, it was week five. We could do whatever we wanted. Nobody cared. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, that's how coaches think about games for sure. Yeah, right. <laughs> it's interesting. Like, whenever I, I see these conversations about analytics, I'm like, okay, well, I, I try to apply them to coaching because obviously coaching is different. Coaching is an incredibly accepted part of the, the landscape and it's never going anywhere and no one questions it, nor should they. Like coaching is obviously extremely valuable, but it, it would be like saying, should you not call plays that you call during the regular season because it's the postseason? Like, yeah, you'll have different wrinkles. Yeah, stuff will happen that you're not expecting. That happens in every game and every week. Like you're going to have a different game plan. It doesn't mean that you're... You know, the stuff like like the, the Lions ran duo a, a million times during the regular season. They still ran it three times during the postseason. It's not like they had to come up with new run plays or, you know, a brand new playbook because it's the playoffs. That stuff still applies. It still matters. Um, you know, Kyle Shanahan never drew up a play. I guarantee it. I, I, I If you go to the Niners playbook, I guarantee you his play was like, hey, Brock Purdy, chuck it up deep to Brendan Ayuk. You're going to toss it off Kendall Vildor's helmet. It's going to bounce to him for a 49-yard catch. That never happens. That's never going to happen. You're never going to draw that up. And yet, the fact that it happened doesn't mean that coaching is irrelevant or that you might as well not bother. The Travis Kelsey play against the Bills, that, that 13 seconds game, like he drew up something on the sideline. Great. That's great that you did that. And it worked. And it's awesome that you, you know, it, it, it helped help change the game. 
but you would never use that to say, okay, we shouldn't bother with X's and O's. Travis Kelsey should just draw up whatever he wants. Like that's crazy. And with coaching and with coaching decisions, it's something we take for granted. But with analytics, like when you have something that goes against what the data says or something where, you know, what's a, a, one decision is a site favorite and it's unconventional and it doesn't work out. It's like, well, you can't use this at all in this situation because that, that, you know, that decision failed and that just, it doesn't add up. Like it, it really is so short-sighted and does not play to, um, you know, the, the elements of football that we see on a weekly basis, whether it's the regular season or whether it's the playoffs. Yeah, I, I think like it's that's one of the things that's so I don't know what the word is for it, but it's like the whole point is to just try and win the game. It, it's something that just makes sense on a week to week basis, right? Like, yeah, like we you can overcomplicate it, but at the end of the day, it's just like just make the best decision regardless of what kind of game it is. Seems like a yes, really yeah. simple way to approach things, right? Like for all of these situations, for you're talking about coaching, you're talking about regular season playoffs game management the whole goal no matter what situation is just do the best thing to help the team win yes and i will say like i'll i'll, I'll go back to the rams lions game in the first round sean McVay, who is a hall of fame coach i'm not sitting here to say sean McVay is terrible at his job because he's not but sean McVay is more conservative than dan campbell everyone is more conservative than dan campbell and sean McVay is a smart guy the rams have a or at least have had a robust analytics department for several years. I know he has access to every single piece of data he could want to make a fourth down decision. Sean McVay punted down one on fourth and like 12. So it was not a, a gimme situation, but they could have kicked a long field goal or attempted a long field goal. They could have gone for it. They punted. They, they tried to convert on third down knowing they had a punter they did not feel good about because they didn't want to you know a kicker they didn't feel good about because they didn't want to try a long field goal on fourth down which i think is very defensible and mm -hmm. they got a look they liked they tried to throw a backside dig to puka nakua it just got broken up maybe there was a penalty um but sean mcfay punts on fourth down and he says well flow of the game made me feel like we were gonna get the ball back we just had to get a stop and that was a game that had slowed down, was defensive at that point of the game. You could I'm not saying I agree with McVay, but you could see where he's coming from. But the point I'm getting at is the Rams still lost. They did the conservative thing and they lost. And not a single Rams fan, not a single Rams player, not a single Rams coach, not a single analyst publicly said, Hey, Sean, listen. You lost, but at least you did the conservative thing <laughs> at least you extended the game at least you didn't give the lions momentum by punting nobody said that because that's insane you would never do that because there'd be no point just as you are not going to get credits or plaudits or credo for being aggressive and having it fail you're not going to get any extra credit for being conservative and making a suboptimal decision by the numbers and having that fail. And so that should spur you, knowing you're going to get yelled at whether you lose because you're aggressive or conservative, you might as well do what is aligned with what you think is best. Now for Sean McVay, that was punting and being conservative. And that's his right. He's a great coach. He has the right to do whatever he wants. For Dan Campbell, that was being aggressive. He's sticking with what they've done all year and trusting the strength of his team, which is the offense. I don't, I'm not criticizing Sean McVay for making a decision that I think was probably suboptimal by the numbers. 
I'm also not criticizing Dan Campbell for making a decision that was optimal by the numbers or slightly optimal by the numbers and optimal given what his team is good at because it didn't work out. That's true, but I would, I don't have the McVeigh numbers right in front of me, but assuming that we didn't like it, then I do criticize. <laughs> I do criticize because okay. help your team win. Yes, but I, I, I guess what I'm saying is like, beyond what the numbers say, I think Sean McVay made a decision not based on I'm going to be conservative or I'm going to yes, be aggressive, yeah, yes, but yes. but I made a decision based on what I think is best for the football team. It wasn't like, well, I'm scared and it's a playoff game and I don't want to get yelled at. Like, I don't want to give the Lions momentum by by not converting. Like, he was like, this is the best decision for my football team. And yes, I, I, think, I think that's Dan right. Campbell did the same thing. It was actually, according to NextGen, which is a different model than our model at ESPN, Punt was the correct call by 0.8%. Now, Sean McVay did have a situation where he kicked a field goal on fourth and eight from the 11-yard line, which was a 3.6% go for it by next gen. So not perfect in that game by any means, but I'm just bringing that up to make the point that like you don't get extra credit for being conservative. You don't get – the locker room doesn't clap and say, hey, we were in it till the end of the game. You know, that never happens. I think there's this, this construct in people's head about – but, you know, like you don't want to upset your players. You don't want to give the other team momentum. You don't want to, uh, you know, have to sit there during the offseason and say we lost because we were aggressive. But losing sucks. Losing sucks whether you're aggressive or whether you're conservative. It never it, it, it's never a comfort to know, hey, uh, you know, we kept the game going until the very end. We kept the game. You know, we, we didn't make a decision that that cost us like Sean McVay's decision cost him. It just didn't cost them in the same way that it cost Dan Campbell. I have one more question for you, and this is the most common trope I saw uh, from the commenters I was seeing on Twitter. And hey, I'm not I'm not going to argue that it didn't look this way. Did the failure on fourth down spur the 49ers comeback? I am mostly saying no. I am. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, I mean, look, I don't know the answer, but like, I think the question is, what's really the question is like, did that create momentum, therefore increasing the 49ers' chance to win the game more than we might have expected, right? Mm -hmm. that, is that a fair? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying momentum definitely doesn't exist, but I am saying that no one's ever shown evidence of it existing. And until I see that, I'm not, I'm not buying it. So mm -hmm. like our model will... I think all the models, I think it's safe to say. <clears throat> Any scenario that you put in, it doesn't matter how you get there. Like, okay, you're down seven, it's second and 10, you're on your own 38, there's 234 left in the third quarter. Like, however you got to that point, it sees the win probability to be the same. If momentum exists, then we should be able to see a difference in how often teams win compared to that win probability based on how they got there. And like, I know, I know you've written about this. I know Brian's written about this, looking at like, like turnovers. Everybody thinks, okay, turnover is a momentum swinger. Um, and then if it is, then we should see that teams score more often than we would expect based on turnovers. But we don't, mm -hmm. we don't see that. So there's, that's tough to say. I, I did a radio hit earlier today and they asked if about the Ayuk catch, if that was a momentum swinger. And I was like, I don't think, what that was was a big change in win probability because they caught a 50-yard pass, you know? Like, mm -hmm. that was really important. Did that increase their chance to win 
from that point, like after that point, like the, the 49ers had a 26% chance to win at that point. I think it was, did they have, mm -hmm. if there were momentum, they would have had a more than a 26% chance. It's possible. I think all the incentives are out there for someone to prove it. If they, if they could, they would be like lauded statistically probably for having <laughs> found this big thing. Um, and so I'm not saying it, it can't be real. I'm just saying we haven't seen it. So it just seems like hard to bake that in until we see. I know, I know people say, I think George Kittle said it had a thing about it today. Um, mm -hmm. And I believe it. I believe that people, or I believe that people feel it. And that is, mm -hmm. I just, it should show up quantitatively if it exists. And maybe it does. I just haven't seen evidence to suggest it. Certainly players or a lot of players think it's true. Not every player. I've heard players who say they don't think it's true or that it's, you know, and I, I think it exists. I think we are very bad, both as, as analysts, as fans, as players, as coaches, as announcers. We're very bad at figuring out, okay, this is when the momentum is happening. This is when it's it's going to stick around. This is when it's actually meaningful. And again, I, I've written about this. I've always said the same thing. I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm just saying next time you see a situation and you say for sure, okay, this team has the momentum, see what happens. Just, just just make a note of it and see what happens next because there will be times like the Niners game where they'll get a fumble and they'll score a touchdown and you'll be like, okay, they had the momentum and they probably did. Not, not, I have no issue there, but there will be plenty of times where you'll be like, okay, they had the momentum and then what happened to the Niners at the end of their next drive will happen where they got sacked twice and kicked a field goal and the Lions picked up 36 yards on the next two plays even though the Niners had all the momentum. Um, you'll see games where you're like, okay, this guy, this shooter is incredibly hot. He has the hot hands. Uh, let's get him the ball. Let's ISO him, and he'll bank a you know a thirty-two footer off the rim because he wasn't good at figuring out when he had the hot hand. Like we, that that thing of we are going to tell a story about this game and tie it to a moment and say that was the momentum swing, which I think we are doing here with this Dan Campbell decision, is something I do not find to be. A very good way of analyzing football i don't find it to be a very reliable way i find it to be very simplistic i find it to ignore a lot of the variables that come into play i think it's a very simplistic way of telling a story and for the niners in this game like i i've seen people make the argument okay that 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 failed fourth down gave them as momentum i've also seen people say hey the lions had to kick that field goal to quell the momentum to slow down the niners because they were hot the Niners' momentum at that point was driving to begin the second half and kicking a field goal, and the Lions then continuing to drive downfield just as they had the entire game and getting in field goal range, which, if anything, the play that gave the Niners momentum in that scenario was Dan Campbell being conservative and kicking a field goal. So there's like a circular logic to that of, okay, well, this caused this, so now you have to do this other thing to prevent that thing from happening. Um you know, right, like, a study we please. almost did here was like we i don't know someone wanted to do a big momentum project and what i had suggested and what we we considered doing was like pulling all the records from like all the tv broadcasts and then isolating where the announcer says momentum and then recording the win probability at that play and then determining if teams win more than like more often than the win probability suggests uh based on that and um it was a good idea it was going to take like 
lots of resources that were <laughs> not going to be me. Um, and so uh, we it ended up falling through, but, you know, it was a thought. Yes. And again, I'm, I'm not saying it doesn't exist. I'm just saying if you are someone who is interested in this topic, if you feel like it's worth paying attention to, if you're a player, if you're an ex-player, a coach, I know there's players and coaches who listen to the show, just check it out. Whether you're, whether you're watching a football game, whether you're watching baseball, basketball, hockey, soccer, every sport has a situation where you will feel like, okay, these guys have the momentum. Just make a note, see what happens next. And again, you will find plays where it absolutely confirms what you believed, and you will find situations where it goes in the exact opposite direction. We, I think, as human beings, are very bad at judging when teams and players and coaches and situations have momentum. And we will see. Certainly, the Niners uh, were able to parlay getting hot in the second half to a comeback. The Lions did not execute. They dropped passes. They fumbled. They were much sloppier in the second half than they were in the first half. But I think there's explanations based around how they played. I don't think, you know, again, like I, I just, I find it so hard to believe that we would say, okay, if Dan Campbell kicks that field goal, what? The ball doesn't bounce off Kendall Wilder's helmet? He intercepts it? It's incomplete? Like, like what makes football so fun and makes play so exciting is that we're not, we can't expect what's going to happen. And nobody after that Niners play was expecting uh, Kendall Vildor, or after the, the Lions failed, was expecting a ball to bounce off a Lions player's helmet to burn down for a 50-yard catch. But that still happened. That's that's the fun of football. That's not a, like, I, I, I find the causation there to be so difficult to believe is actually a real thing. I, I totally agree. And if I can, Bill, you've alluded to this at several yes. points, but I do want to bring one more thing up because I think it's... Please. Which is the the, which is when we talk about fourth downs and the the asymmetry of the situation, and I think about this a lot because it's like, if you have a drive and you go for it on fourth down and you convert, that is no longer the that will not be the biggest play on that drive or the highlight real play on that drive. Not usually because later in that drive you're going to like score a touchdown or throw an interception or maybe the drive fizzles out and it doesn't make the highlight package at all. But if you go for it and you fail, then immediately that is the biggest play of that drive. You have, yes. you have given the ball over. And so that's why, why it happens. And like, man, the counter like, I just think Baltimore down seven yesterday, fourth and fourth, their own 47, one fifty two left in the half second quarter. And they punt. We had that as a one, 1% go situation baltimore right usually a team you think of um and so they punt the chiefs get the ball back they 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 were chiefs were not guaranteed another possession in that half the chiefs turned it into into three points um but should have turned it into seven frankly right right but but we're not but like i haven't heard that come up once today and that baltimore lost even right yes uh but they chose the conservative the conservative option which also doesn't it doesn't come up um, and, and that's even with the Ravens losing, right? So mm -hmm. I think it's important because I just want folks to remember when the conversation comes up that it's like, I think this is part of the reason why the aversion to going for it exists because it always seems like it costs you because that's the, that's the times we remember. Um, Seth, you have fought several wars today in, in, in the support of analytics. You need to rest, my friend. 
I appreciate everything you've done and I appreciate you hopping on the Bill Barnwell show this evening. Where can people check out your coverage of the upcoming Super Bowl? Just on ESPN.com. Uh, we'll have uh, me and Matt Bowen are teaming up for a, for a Super Bowl preview story next awesome. week on some uh, statistical stuff and some X's and O's stuff. So uh, even if even if you don't like the stats, come for Matt Bowen's <laughs> X's and O's. Two of my favorites, two awesome people covering the NFL. Seth, it's always a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Bill. Thanks so much to Seth Walder. Hope you guys enjoyed that podcast. I think there's a lot to discuss about the Dan Campbell situation, the decisions. Again, don't think it was obviously black or white, right or wrong, but definitely one worth talking about as it determined or helped determine what happened to the Lions and their season yesterday. So we have a bunch of shows coming up between now and the Super Bowl, both for myself on the Bill Barnwell Show podcast, also going to be doing a live podcast in Las Vegas next week during the Super Bowl. Myself, Kevin Clark, Mina Kimes, and Dominique Foxworth all together uh, for a Mina and Fox live podcast in Las Vegas, I believe on the Las Vegas Strip. Um, if you're interested in getting tickets, you can go to Mina's Twitter. Tickets, I believe, are still available. You can check that out. If you are not in Vegas, you can listen to that next week. We'll be talking, I assume, about the Super Bowl. I don't think we'll be talking about like what the Bears are going to do with the first overall pick, but who knows? We will see. Um, but I wrote about the Dan Campbell decisions and what happened to the Ravens yesterday on ESPN. I was on Around the Horn today talking about everything that happened during the divisional round or the conference championship, excuse me. Plenty of content for you over the next two weeks as we break down the conference championship games and get ready for the Super Bowl. So I hope you guys enjoyed the weekend and more stuff coming over the next couple of weeks.